This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start. Hello and welcome to episode 120 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Algott and on this podcast we interview actors, writers, directors, filmmakers, producers, agents, managers, personal fitness gurus, personal finance gurus, you name it, pretty much anybody involved with the entertainment industry in some form or another. We, uh, we interview them and then stick them on this podcast which we stick out there on the internet every week uh, for you guys. And of course, uh, AJ and I, co-host AJ and myself, are just two dudes. We don't, um, we definitely don't claim to have any sort of secret technique or system or anything that we're trying to sell anybody. We're just two guys who wanted to start a podcast to talk to people and find out what worked for them and see where the common threads were. So if you hear something on the show that you're thinking, you know what, that totally does not jive with my experience, or you hear something and you think, you know what, that is spot on and I have a, a story about that. Please feel free to get in touch with us. There's a lot of different ways that you can communicate and be in touch with the podcast. Uh, you can shoot us an email. You can call us and leave a voicemail. You can send us a tweet. Uh, find us on Facebook. I mean, lots of plate, lots of ways to do it. Uh, and you can get started by hitting up our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. On today's episode, episode 120, we have a, an interview with Michael Lang and Monica Hafer who are two writers who specialize, at least so far, have seemed to specialize in short-form content, which we thought would be really, really beneficial for our listeners to be able to listen to um, some people who've kind of been there and done that, creating short scenes, uh, web series episodes, short films, things like that. Uh, and we really kind of end up, we start by talking mostly about kind of the creative process, but there's a few little nuggets in there on on what makes for effective short-form content, how to really cram a nice story arc into uh into, you know, five, seven minutes or so. So there's some good good stuff here, guys. Make sure you stick around for that. Hello. Welcome to episode 120. I'm by myself this week. Uh, AJ's out of town. He's, um, he's, uh, what is he doing? I guess he's on vacation, but he's also working. He's doing a lot of cool stuff. So, uh, he couldn't be with us this week. So it's just me. So it'll be nice and short before we jump into the interview. Uh, but what is going on with me this week? Not a ton. I've really just been working on these audiobooks. Seems to be the story of my life lately. So excited to have those, um, completed. Uh, I'm also um, about three weeks, two weeks into my, oh geez, umpteenth round of P90X and loving that. As most of you know, I'm a little bit of a fanboy when it comes to P90X, so so I'm doing that. And uh, the other big news is I saw a cut of The Midnight Monster the other day. That's the short film uh, that's a pitch for a feature that, that I shot uh, a few, gosh, it must have been a month or two ago now. 
um, with some really, really awesome people. And, uh, and I saw a cut of it and, and normally I don't like watching myself too much. I, I find it pretty difficult these days. My, as my, um, as my understanding of what, of why I'm choosing this career path and this lifestyle as that has evolved, I've found myself less and less interested in seeing my work and more and more interested only in doing it. Um, so I think I, down the line, I might be one of those actors who just doesn't watch their, <laughs> their films and stuff like that. But right now, since I'm still cutting my reels and, and things like that, uh, I still get to watch this stuff. So anyway, uh, with bated breath, I watched this kind of rough cut, which was just a very rough assembly of the footage. There wasn't very much kind of tidying or polishing or finessing, and there was no color correction or anything, but it looks pretty good. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun ride for, for audiences. So, um, that should be done sooner rather than later. So I'm excited to share that with anybody who might be interested in checking it out. Um, that's about it. I'm going to save responding to voicemails and emails and things like that until we have, uh, that AJ back on with us. So I'm just going to jump right into the, uh, the interview then. So here's part one of our chat with Michael Lang and Monica Hafer, two, two writers who, uh, who've kind of really made a, a little bit of an itch for themselves in short form content. So as I said in the intro, this first part is more about kind of the creative process and we hear a little bit about where they're coming from and what their experience is and, and kind of what they hold near and dear as far as uh, creativity goes. And then in the second part, which will come next week, we talk a lot about uh, you know what it takes to, to put together an effective story uh, in you know a, sh- a short time period, meaning a short time frame, like five, seven minute episodes, that kind of thing. So enjoy this, guys, and uh, I'll catch you on the other side. Hey guys, I'm sitting here with writer, uh, director, producer, Michael Lang, and stage director, writer, Monica Hafer, and I'm sure I'm missing a few others, but um, really excited to have you guys on the show today for a couple different reasons, mostly because I think, and I've talked about this in the show many times before, um, but I think that in 2013, 2014, almost now, it's really important for actors and everybody to be multi-hyphenates. I think every actor should have some writing chops, some directing chops, some producing chops, some editing chops, some experience in those other kind of, you know, quote unquote specialized areas of the, of production, just because now it's so easy to kind of do everything. And you guys not only do various things, but you've got, uh, some really kind of interesting kind of perspective to share on, on those things as well. So really excited to have you here. Thank you for taking the time. Of course, of course. It's, it's good to be here. <laughs> right fun. on. So um, we like to start these interviews off usually just by kind of asking how you guys got into this this industry. So, Michael, why don't we start with you? What brought you into this world? Um, I don't know what brought me into it. I don't think I ever... I don't think I ever belonged anywhere else other than this world, honestly. I, mm. I tried doing other normal things like retail and bank work and financial understandings and stuff but uh financial understandings yeah which is I good to have if you're a creative type uh-huh. <laughs> it's yes, still it a part of this, my world that i don't really understand all too well is how to keep my books all balanced and stuff but um anyways uh but yeah uh 
got into this world uh, ever since I was a kid. I was, uh, was telling stories and coming up with stories in my head when I was just a little boy um, playing with toys with my brother and sister. We would play with Legos a lot, and um, I was always the mastermind of the structures of our um, playtime. You know, they would create the buildings and the characters, and I would create the stories and the scenarios. And so it was weird. Have like I still have one of my little Lego characters who has this whole story and mythology and background <laughs> and stuff. Awesome. And I just kind of keep him <laughs> on my so desk cool. to remind me of my humble beginnings. But um, but yeah, I mean that's where it started. And then luckily enough, uh, in high school. <clears throat> I had a uh, teacher that really took notice that I liked writing creatively, and so when I was struggling in her class, she challenged me to just kind of create a, a book, a story in her class, and that kind of gave me a focus um, throughout all of high school, really, because after I wrote that book in my freshman year, I just ended up rewriting it every year, uh, adding on to it, because I wrote it off my based off my English class, and some mm. of them were sad that I killed them off in my book, and so they asked for sequels, <laughs> and so I gave them sequels. And yeah, and that kind of was where I got started. And then after high school, I tried doing, uh, I was an English major, minor in psychology, was trying to become an English teacher, but then realized I don't do school very well. (laughs) And so Hmm. just very naturally fell into the screenwriting, filmmaking, and then was like, okay, I'm just going to do this from now on. (laughs) That is so, it's so, I had no idea that you were uh, an actual like writer, author, novelist type of writer before we started talking this morning before we recorded yeah i mean it's where i got my start um it was one of those things that you know it it was the only form of writing i understood at the time because screenwriting you know there's a format there's a structure there's these these techniques to it that is just makes it a little bit more difficult if you're just trying to go at it without any knowledge or guidance or whatnot Mm -hmm. and so just as a kid you just naturally Fallen, I naturally fell into just the novel form because you know if you read books and you're like I can emulate yeah, this exactly. and so yeah. you know you get your start there and so you know a lot of my stories actually that I am trying to adapt into screenplays came from those first five years of just high school and all the ideas that I came up with then so that is really cool yeah. and I bet that gives you a unique perspective on what storytelling actually is and I, like- I, and I say that because because like. I, mm. Now we now we fall into the conversation that we were just having about like you don't want to talk trash about things, but I think that there's a lot of of you know short form content out there today um, that is created expressly for the purpose of self promotion. Yeah, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But when you when you sacrifice the story because you want to be funny or you want to look good or you want to play up a certain type that you fit, it, it becomes kind of like. Uh, uh, it, it cancels itself out, you know? So I think it's really great to, that we can talk to you today about the approach to storytelling, as it were, that you have kind of as a novelist. Yeah. Because I'm sure that informs a lot of structure, of character arc, of, of all sorts of archetype, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. Oh, it definitely does. I mean, yeah. for me, story always comes first. And so I mean, everything I'm about is always making sure that anything that's on the page or on the screen is justified and moves things forward and so make people think. Because in the end, you know, I feel like why we tell stories, why we want to tell stories, is because there's something deep down inside of us that we want to express to as many people as possible. And so the goal is always to make sure that that message is always coming across with your characters and your plot twists and stuff like that. Awesome. <clears throat> awesome. Stoked. Yeah. Cool. And Monica, how did you get into this crazy world? Well, I was born in a really small town in rural Idaho. 
and there's not a lot to do but read books and watch movies and play in the the fields outside the hay fields. Um, so I started, I just read voraciously when I was younger, and then I started writing, and I love to write. But at some point in time, you know, my parents were all like, but but what do you really want to do? You know, what what's a job? How does this, and you know, you never thought about people actually getting paid to write. So um, I actually went to school to become an English teacher, and I did. Um, I had a minor in theater in my undergraduate, um, and I did a lot of acting, which gave me a sense of the sorts of things that you talk about as far as character, as far as getting you know your motivation, your Stanislavski stuff. Um, and I wrote some stage plays at that point, did, did some direction. Um, and then I went and taught high school for a while. Then I went back and I got my master's degree to teach college. Um, and my I, I picked another highly useless sort of focus. Um, <laughs> it was medieval literature and comparative literature. Awesome. <laughs> so there was like Beowulf, you know, you got yeah. got all that in there, which, you know, if you want to teach, if you want to be a medievalist, you got to wait for somebody to die. And that takes forever. <laughs> well, because there's like one medievalist in every department and they're ancient mm, and they mm-hmm. just keep going and going and going because that's, that's how that works. So my brother had asked me, um, he was kind of a, wanting to direct some stuff and he said, I need content. So I wrote him a short and then I wrote him another short and then I wrote a feature and then I decided this is actually what I want to be doing with my life. Wow. And so I just decided to to give it all up, um, which my parents at that point in time did not really understand that whole you're giving up, you know, a page, a regular paycheck and retirement mm-hmm. and you're moving to Los Angeles where there's tons of people and you're crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, Eight years later, uh, <laughs> here, here I am. Thank That's you, no joke. thank you. Um, my my anniversary in LA is April Fool's Day, which I mm. think is highly ironic. <laughs> but um, but I I am a lot happier being a writer. But I think a lot of the things when you grow up, like say you're used to novels. You read novels. That's that's what you think writing is, and you see movies, but it's all visual. You don't think about the fact that, or you're you tangentially. You don't really think about the fact that somebody wrote those, and you hardly ever see screenplays unless you're involved in the industry. You know, so it wasn't yeah. until later. You know, I knew stage plays before I knew screenplays. Uh-huh. But you know, you don't realize that the people creating the movies, somebody. You know, somebody did that. There's a job that's called a screenwriter, <laughs> yeah, and you right. can do it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, that's that, that brings up an interesting point, which you said about your parents saying, you know, saying you're giving up a paycheck, you're giving up retirement, you're giving up all this stuff that we supposedly need mm-hmm. um, to essentially live for the moment, rather than sacrifice now and plan for the future. You opted mm-hmm. to live now and let the future unfold, kind of as it would. Well, I think all of us do that. I mean, everybody loves the the quote, leap in the net will appear, mm. you know, like, and I think there's something to that is the fact that what we want to do, we love so much. Like Michael said, we can't not do in some ways. Like when we're not doing it, we're not alive. We're not fully happy. We're like a little bit crazy. Like, in the bad way, not the good way, not the creative, yummy crazy, where, like, the, I'm going to poke somebody in the eye with a sharp stick crazy. <laughs> well, I get really grumpy, I know. If I, yeah. I, I come to realize that I get really, really grumpy if I haven't done any creative writing in a long mm-hmm. time. Like, mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, I think every 
every human being really comes to a point where they have to make that decision of like, okay, am I going to just live this life or I'm going to do something that I actually innately enjoy, whether that's in the you know creative world where you know, you're a writer, actor, musician, artist or whatever, or if it's something a little bit more tangible, like, oh, I just want, I want to be a doctor. You know, there are people that do just really want to be a doctor or a police officer or a fireman and whatnot. And so... But like I don't I, believe you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do because Who would like, like, that? I no. mean, it was funny because like I mean, you know, I, I work a survival job just like most people still have to and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And and I was working at a I bank, do. and one of my um, FSOs, the uh, financial officer, whatnot, literally left to join. Um, the fire department like he, he's been working in the bank industry for a good decade and whatnot and then finally got into the fire department and left and is doing the boot camp now and you're just like okay everyone has their dreams and at a point yeah. everybody needs to then make that and i remember mine was right before i came to los angeles uh, my friend and business partner you know we were living in the bay area at the time and he was just like i'm gotta go to LA like all the works in LA I'm gonna go to LA and I was sitting there kind of like well I don't know what I want to do and you know I stop and I think about it because I'm a writer and my brain just thinks of all the different up things that could happen all the different options and stuff and I realized that if I stayed behind I would you know do nothing but the survival job and full-time career and all that stuff and then when I was like 40 or 50 that's when I would go back and work on my book or I would go back and write this uh, screenplay mm. or do that and mm-hmm. I was just like if you know you're going to end up falling back into this world, then just stay in the world and don't be afraid of it because a lot of it is associated with fear. And, you know, it, I, I've struggled in life long for a good 26 years of life. And so struggling a couple more years to be able to do what I actually love rather than just to just simply exist and be annoyed all the times to seem like the better <laughs> choice. <laughs> and, and see, I had that, the, the initial, you do the job that you think you're supposed to do. And then at one, one point in time, you realize that that's not fulfilling that, that for me, I actually had a dream. This was, um, it, because I'm, <clears throat> I'm 40, so <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. But but I had a whole career otherwise that I left, um, and and I ended up. I had a dream that I in my dream I, I laid down in this valley and fell asleep. And when I I woke up in the dream, um, the ground had grown over my arm, and I was trying to rip it all off. And what was left were these little tiny stubby fingers because I'd atrophied so badly. And oh I'm, my god! And I'm sure I have that goosebumps. So yeah. you're telling me this dream right now. You know, I'm, I'm sure my my arm fell asleep, but my brain interpreted this fact that I was just because I had I had done that that I was atrophying inside. Mm. And so to me, that was the moment. It's like I've got to do it. And I knew so many people who. We're like, well, of course we want to move to LA, but we've got to wait till we have like $5,000 in the bank or $10,000. We've got to wait till it's exactly perfect. And they never go because mm-hmm. it's just, it's a fear. And I think one of the things that you have to be is either crazy, a little bit of crazy, but you also have to be okay with being really uncomfortable. You have to be okay with being poor and you have to be okay with having money sometimes. And then you have to be okay with not knowing what you're going to be doing the next day, the next week. Like that's, it's, I think a lot of people, people who act or create or write are really brave people, Mm. you know, or, or either, either we're really brave or it's like, we don't really have another choice because of that internal, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Most, most creative people I know have that kind of really low breaking point. You know, like a really low tolerance level for like 
the stuff that they consider bullshit. <laughs> and then there are other people, you know, like bankers. I mean, I'm not, not you specifically, I'm just picking something out of the, out of the, the air, but you know, people who are in jobs that maybe are <clears throat> less creative and they want to be creative, but they just, they don't know how to get there or they, they just have a really high tolerance level for like, well, that's not for me or, or whatever. But creative people seem to really believe it. They just, they know it. And every interview I've ever seen mm-hmm. or, or read or listened to with an actor or a writer or producer, they all say at some point, I knew that I was meant to do this. I knew this was for me. I, I just, I know it's interesting, Michael, what you said about, um, about just kind of going all in. You know, like just I, I'm 26. I can do a few more years. Like, there's a lot of that's something that's been kind of hot on my skin lately. It's just like people are doing it. There are people out there making a living as an actor and making a living as writers and making a living as musicians or whatever it is. Why not me? Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it's just one of those. Th- it's it's interesting because we live in a time now that it's more accessible and more and more opportunities are open to us because of just the way the world is kind of shifting especially the entertainment industry the way it's shifting you're seeing a lot more you know when you're looking at the 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 movies that mean anything that are coming out right now or the tv shows that mean anything you're 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 seeing people with the independent story concept and when i say that i mean it's not the hollywood churning of like okay let's just rehash this franchise let's remake this let's you know let's where it's let's try to find something people will like and more of we're starting to see more of the this is what i like this is what i love this is what i attach to and this is what i'm going to create and hopefully people will attach to it too and you're starting to see the people doing that more and more often and now that you have the internet and you have things like youtube and college humor and funny or die and stuff like that there's an avenue for everybody to be able to tell their story and there's an avenue for everyone to be able to show their story to the world and Mm. everybody's story will have an audience you know certain stories might not have a huge audience but it doesn't mean there isn't someone out there that is thinking the same thing you're thinking wanting the same content you're wanting and if you have the opportunity to put it out there someone will find it be like oh i love you for for saying this or for putting that out there because I've been thinking the same thing and everyone here thinks I'm crazy (laughs) because I mean, that's the truth. Like when I was living in the Bay area being a writer and whatnot, I was lucky enough to be able to start finding a small crew of people that were creative too and thought like I did and want to do stuff. And you create that team and that, you know, that bond and whatnot. And so I found people to help me create things that I could come up with and whatnot. But it's interesting when you realize that being an artist being creative and and that being really the only thing you're passionate about is weird to other people that like I'm like when I was working you know at JCPenney's and stuff and I was talking about the story that I'm working on and whatnot you just get that kind of like oh that's nice that's 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 so nice you have something to do when you're not here and you're just like pat you on the head yeah I'm just like but it's so (laughs) just can't be in my head but then and so like you grow up thinking like okay I'm the weird one I'm the odd Mm. one I'm the oddball and whatnot and then you come to Los Angeles and I'm like oh everybody's crazy crazy here that's well, it's, awesome it, it's your tribe <laughs> yeah. you know exactly yeah. and you yeah. feel at home and yeah. it, what's awesome about that is that like you get to evolve even faster and better because now you're around surrounded by liked people and so when you say an idea you're like oh i've had this blah blah, blah you actually have people that be like oh that's cool have, have you ever thought about this or have you ever done this or have 
you know, and they add on to your idea, and you're just like, oh, this is getting better all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, that's how Monica yeah. and I first started working together, is I had a web series called The Program that I was working on, and I know knew I needed help because I wanted to get it done on a quicker schedule, but one mind can only figure out so much and so I needed a partner and came with Monica and started telling her my story she was like oh that's awesome how about this and that and we just ended up sitting on the, on a couch at a coffee shop for weeks on end and created a whole little series out of it that's so, so know. cool it was fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And I, you know, I love what you just said about uh, tribes, Monica, mm-hmm. and Michael, what you just said. There's an audience for everything. There are so many, there are more books on the creative process out right now than I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm not like an old person, but like, I, I don't remember so many books when I was in like high school on creativity. I would have read them all. See, it's but, funny. Uh, I have an ex-boyfriend that said like in the gold rush, people didn't make money finding gold. The people that sold shovels yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think that was wow. some of the, the latest how-to books. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. What's, what's interesting now is like they're, they're, I feel like everybody wants to be creative in some form or wants to be able to let out their creative creativity in some, uh, in some form. And when you go all in and you say, okay, this is the world that I'm going to exist in, you realize very quickly that like... I'm going to be in this world regardless of what I do in it. That if I can't make it, you know, make it quote unquote as a writer or whatever, then maybe I'll get into, you know, reviewing things or maybe I'll, you know, write a, a how to instructional book or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it comes from that concept of that understanding of like, this is what I understand. This is the only thing that motivates me. This is the only thing that drives me. And so regardless of, what I do, I know I'm going to be stuck in this world in some capacity because there is no going back. I mean, I, I do literally cha- to become a different person when I'm not being creative for more than like three days straight. Like, mm. I'm just not someone mm. you want to talk to at that point. Right. Well, and, and I think when you're saying about the hyphenates too, like some of it becomes necessity mm-hmm. um, because you're trying to put things out there. You're trying to get your vision out there. And sometimes, like right now, I find myself, I'm producing. And I've never, you know, like that's that's new. I'm producing and I'm directing a web series. So it's, you know, it's a huge learning curve. And you find out new parts of yourself. And it's a new <laughs> place to be in the creative process. But I think you have to because at, at some point in time, you ha- because I love the fact that everything is more accessible, the internet, the tools, the cameras, can you can make things. But it also makes it where you really are pushed to make unique content, things that people want to watch, quality, and and get yourself out there. And I think sometimes it's like, well, you have to be your own advocate. You know, even if you yeah. have an agent, even if you have whatever, you know, it's like nobody's working as hard for you as you are because they're just they're just not. Um, and putting on those extra the hyphenates you know allows you to create like for me as a writer it allows me to get my vision on paper and then actually make it happen whereas you know if i wasn't willing to do other jobs and learn other things if i was like no no i've just got this writing thing down i just want somebody to pay me to write i'd be waiting a lot longer Mm, mm. (laughs) you know and and as a writer like People really don't like to read. <laughs> I, you know, like scripts. You know, you have the the proverbial, you know, agent's desk with the the screenplay stack a mile high. Right. You know, and trying to get somebody to read something you've written, whereas people like watching stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so can you shoot a little short? 
promo of some kind or a teaser of some kind for what that script is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I it's love just, that. It's, it's just good to have control over your own career. And, it, and it's something that we're able to do now more than ever because Hollywood used to be the standard. Hollywood used to be the only way through the door of creativity. But more and more now, we're seeing that that's not the case, that mm. you don't need to go the Hollywood route to be able to to succeed you you can't just control your own career you can't just do your own thing and make that and become successful in that simply because people are everybody loves story like story and food are the really the only two things that i think that bond us all together as a species music. that and music now yeah. uh, but music I, I fall into the world of story too because music in its own way is telling the story is hitting you emotionally <laughs> essentially um, and but that's the thing is once you get together you know everyone gathers together to eat and then when you eat you're all telling stories like it's one of those things that it's not hard to brew everyone loves storytelling because if you go anywhere and sit down in a public area and listen you'll hear stories being told. Everyone's talking about what they just did or what they're going to do or something they always want to do or a conflict that's happening in their lives right now. And so story is surrounding us all the time. And you just have to be aware that that it's there. And you realize, yeah, story is important to everyone. And so now that we all have the opportunity to brand ourselves and work and find other people that help us create things then put it out there and have instant feedback and do it again it's it's exciting it's visceral it's 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 a new world that we're falling into and it's and it's fun for me because with the companies that I work for and run and whatnot, it, because it, it it feels like there's a new pie being cooked, you know, mm-hmm. where instead of like scraping crumbs and trying to ask someone for a handout or whatever, there there's a new way of doing things, and we're slowly shifting there. We're slowly making that happen. I mean, you look at Netflix and the fact that even they are now creating their own content and just looking right. for content to be taken. You know, it's yeah. it, it's everything is changing, and so now yeah. is that time to just really take yourself seriously and say, if this is what I want to do, then I have to figure out how to do it. And there is that everyone should be a producer in in the smallest sense of being able to just gather people together and say, we all have a common goal. We all have a common dream. Let's work together and make this happen. And, and I like to, for me, pointing out, you have to be the multi-hyphenate, but you also have to know where your strong suit is and where it isn't. Mm-hmm. Because I always think of of early Lucas versus later Lucas. <laughs> I'm treading very no lightly more. here. We're having that say conversation no now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just, I, that's all, all I'm going to say about it. <clears throat> but uh, the fact that because we do have so many talented people around here, um, I technically, you know, I figure I'm a bright girl. I can learn how to do lots of things, you know, but there's some things that other people, that's their strong suit. That's what they, they do. And they're waiting for somebody to give them an opportunity to do that. Um, the the music, the theme music that I just got from my composer is fabulous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, technically maybe I could sit down and write something. But, mm. <laughs> like a pen, pen away piece. <laughs> but, uh, but that's... Band, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, the thing is, the tools now exist where I can sit down with a computer program and plunk some notes and I mean, what's his name uh, that did the fog? I'm losing my my mind. The Stephen John King? Carpenter. Oh, John Carpenter. Yeah, the, the he wrote the music for a lot of really? his early stuff, and it's like know. the you know the two two note piano <laughs> piece. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's minimalistic. <laughs> yes, it's very minimalistic. Um, but the the fact that I have somebody 
who's amazing with music, it, my time is better spent writing in my sweet spot, doing my sweet spot. And then having somebody else who really wants to create and make something magical, have them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's there's that balance of mm-hmm. like, you know, you really can do everything, but know when to bring in the the right people and where your sweet spot is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you. I, I feel like you always want to surround yourself with masters because once you yeah. surround yourself with masters of their own world, then you can really create a masterpiece. Like, you know, you look at, for instance, you know, Breaking Bad and how that series is now over, and everyone's talking about how this is one of those defining series for our generation and blah blah blah. And the only reason why it's said that way is not because the acting is great or the writing is great or all that stuff, but because everything is great. You're watching a show that has a lot of different masters. The cinematography is beautiful. The music music is beautiful the acting is phenomenal the writing is phenomenal yeah. like all of the elements work together and that's what makes that ex- that's what makes it an experience that you go whoa what did i just experience like that was amazing and you you can see clearly the difference when you have everybody on the same page and when there's an element that's off that someone wasn't vibing with the with the rest of the team or whatever and so it's always about finding people that that not only are passionate about what they do, but they want to push it. You know that, that you'll have. You don't want the easy yes crew that will say like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we could shoot that." Oh yeah, that's that's a great angle. You want people that want to challenge your your own vision, your own ideas and stuff, and question all the things that are happening. So that way, it's always being raised to that next level. Right, and, and that's yeah. a hard thing from an ego standpoint. When you know you do surround yourself with masters, and you suddenly realize that you're not, you're not doing it. But yeah. you know, because yeah. I, I think that's when you re- well, it's like a lot of people retreat at that point in time. They you know they get some feedback that you know is not cruel feedback because you get people who are crappy at feedback. They just kind of tear things apart, and they're you know you learn to differentiate good feedback from bad feedback. Um, destructive from constructive feedback, but you get to that point where, you know, someone gives you the feedback and you realize that you're not there. Like you have not risen in your craft to that state. And that's Mm. a huge ego moment where you're like, fuck, (laughs) you know, like I either have to step up my game or I I get that little hole. Well, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm just going to do my Mm. own thing. That's a defining moment just in life. Yeah. Yeah. But especially in, in artistic. Well, it's interesting because it's, it's one of those things they're like, you were mentioning this earlier, but there are really two reasons why people tell stories. There are really two reasons why people work as hard as we do to try to get something out there. And that's either because they have something inside of them that they want to express to everybody, or they just want to be out there for people to see and hear and, and you know, like, oh, this is this is my opinion of the world. Listen to it. Kind of. Uh, I'm important. You know, exactly. And, right. and it's interesting because you, you realize those people you realize you're talking to that type of person very quickly because they get very defensive or or they go that stance of like, oh, you just don't understand. And mm-hmm. and whenever anyone ever says that to me, I, I almost want to laugh because I'm like, well, the point is for you to get me to understand. That's mm-hmm. why we're having this conversation because I'm not trying to bad talk your story. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying... These are things I don't understand. And if you want me to understand, these are things that have to shift or change because if you're trying to tell a story that reaches as many people as possible, you need to understand their likes and their hates and what they relate to so that way you can. Because 
that's the bottom line for me is whenever I'm writing something, if someone says, well, this scene doesn't make any sense to me, for me, then it goes, okay, I have to make this scene make sense then because mm. something's not happening right. here. It's not clicking yeah. In, yeah. in my audience. Because it has nothing to do with whether they get it or not. If they don't get it, then I haven't done my job properly. And mm. that's all I see. And so it's just like, it's weird whenever someone gets really defensive. It's like, well, you just don't get it and you never will. I'm like, well, then you're not really doing your job right. <laughs> right. But I think that's a lot of people, actors, writers, whatever, forget that in the end you're in service to the story. Yeah. Even if it's my story I created, I gave it life, I birthed it. But like if life, it's a kid, you know? Like if that's all, I'm like, no, no, you're done. You know, I'm just going to leave you there. Right. You can figure out that whole like learning to talk on your own. You know? <laughs> but but that we're all then in service to the story. And if I'm not continually trying to make people understand trying to refine trying to make it better you know like you said i'm not doing my job and then you know as an actor if you're not again that's that's the whole like being organic being truthful being in service to the the story to the product Mm -hmm. you're doing it for the wrong reasons and i think in the end it fails because of that because it it doesn't come across as authentic you know, if you didn't make the, you know, like a character requires you to be ugly, and you know some actors and actresses, that's like death knell. Like Scared they, of looking bad. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, what if you look bad on camera? It's like, yeah, but if you know you're going to be in that role, you got to go there. You know, that's in service to this story, yeah. and so you have to let that ego go and go. I am this character. I mean, I like, you know, that's people talked a lot about Charlize Theron, you know, how she, when she was playing the, the woman who was the, the killer. Monster. Yeah. Monster. Yeah. yeah that, that she was just like, man, she got ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's a beautiful woman. Like she models for Dior, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that whole, like being okay with whatever is in the highest service of the project. Okay, guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed our chat uh, with Monica and Michael, part one at least. Part two will be coming at you next week. And um, that's really all I've got. For pick of the week, I I had a little bit of trouble kind of finding something I thought people would enjoy. Um, But I finally settled on uh, a, a website that recently was kind of put together by Al Gore's kind of company. I, I don't know what you'd call them, but um, is it the Climate Reality Project or, or something along those lines? I, I've increasingly been interested in, long-time listeners know this about me, that I'm, I'm a little bit of a tree hugger. And uh, I take I take huma- the human's impact on the environment pretty seriously. And I've been increasingly interested in where my food comes from, how my lifestyle affects the, the world around me, the natural resources, the planet, and things like that. I've reading a lot of books on that stuff and... Um, been getting more and more involved in that in that kind of movement, and um, there's this website that uh, that I guess it's the Climate Reality Project. The website's called What I Love, and it's at it's online at whatilove.org, and it is essentially uh, an interactive site where you can choose from these different kind of like panels of video uh, that represent different things that you might like in your life, and we're talking everything from like you know, bubbling streams in the forest all the way up to like coffee and chocolate and, and things like that. And then you basically click on it and you, and you see how those things are important to the ecosystem. And then 
after a few seconds, it tells you how climate change is going to affect those things in the future. And there's, my gosh, I think there must be at least several dozen options to choose from. And you can choose eight, and it will kind of paint a little picture for you of what you can expect in the future if humanity continues on on the path that we are with um you know, pollution and carbon and methane in the atmosphere and things like that. Uh, so it's a little sobering. Um, and I, I, I'm always hesitant to share this kind of thing because I don't want to be seen as an alarmist. One of those people that's always kind of like ringing the bell, you know, talking about the end of the world and stuff like that. I, I, I definitely don't want to be one of those guys. I'm somewhat optimistic about what we can do about it, but I think it's important to just be aware of these things and what I love about what I love ha, 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 is that it makes it personal. Um, it, it's, it's a cool site. So I hope you guys will check it out. Uh, what I love.org. That's all I've got for this episode. So we'll see you guys next week when AJ will be back with us via action packed episode. And, uh, until then, I hope you guys have a great week. Um, so this is Trev signing off. For our technical producer, Cesar Gamino, for our production coordinator, Jen Levin, for AJ, co-host, and myself, Trevor Algott. This is Inside Acting. I'll see you guys next time. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that, Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com download.